If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. You would think that preaching a Christmas sermon might be one of the easiest sermons a pastor could do. It's, it's all laid out there for you. You simply have to repeat what the angel says. To you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you can simply talk about who that baby in the manger is and what that baby has come to do, what he will do, and he will do it for the whole world. Seems easy. Apparently not. Stephen Furtick has a sermon on the Christmas narrative that ends up not being about Jesus in the manger, but about you in a manger. How do you get there? Well, we'll find out here. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. Today's Stephen Furtick's sermon on the Christmas narrative titled The Pajamas Are a Prophecy. Pastor Chris Rosebro joins us. He's pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. We're going to hear some excerpts from Stephen Furtick's Christmas sermon, but I want to try, if possible, to get into the mind of preachers like Stephen Furtick that why do they feel compelled to take even something like the story of Christ's birth and make it all about us? I would note that men like Stephen Furtick and others, they suffer from an overinflated ego. This is the same ego of, of Satan, and you'll note that human beings, we all suffer from that. Pride and self-love are primarily you know, the result of our fall into sin, and make us like the devil. And unfortunately, Stephen Furtick approaches his sermons with the the idea that he wants to have the, the broadest appeal possible for his message so he can reach the greatest number of people. And, and so I can't say that I know for sure he's a narcissist, but I would note that his sermons legitimately feed people with narcissistic tendencies, and that seems to be a, an epidemic that we're experiencing in our society. The Apostle Paul legitimately prophesied of our days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, and without self-control, brutal and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And if you think that this is describing the world, then you'll note that what comes next makes it clear that it's describing the state of affairs within the visible church as it's gone into apostasy, having the appearance then of godliness, but denying its power. And Scripture warns us to avoid such people. So Stephen Furtick, he legitimately crafts his message in such a way that it feeds humanity's satanic love for self, and he twists the scripture, because I think he believes that's what the Bible is about. He constantly twists the scriptures in order to read ourselves into the biblical text, and it really stands out 
when he is doing that, especially during Christmas and Easter, because the two times of the year when somebody within the visible church would say, you know, this sermon needs to be about Christ, and Stephen Furtick doesn't make it about Christ, he makes it about you, he makes it about me, he makes it about himself, that's when it's easiest to catch it, because people's assumptions have shifted during Christmas and Easter, and unfortunately his love for self and narcissistic tendencies in his sermons have not changed at all, and they know no bounds. So he, when we get to a biblical text like the Nativity narrative of Christ, he finds a way to always make it about himself, and this year's Christmas sermon is no different. And we're not talking about some random YouTuber or some flash in the pan. Stephen Furtick is a big deal and has been for about a decade. Who is he? So Stephen Furtick is the vision casting leader of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think you can arguably say that he is now the most successful and most notable of the seeker-driven, purpose-driven type pastors out there. Many of them have gone by the wayside. Stephen Furtick hasn't. And his reach at Elevation Church, to say that it's global, I mean, that's, that's absolutely correct. He has a global reach. He's a notable figure on Trinity Broadcasting Network and other places. His sermons reach millions and millions of people now. What are we going to hear first from him? So we're going to ease into this sermon, uh, which is supposed to be about the birth of Christ. And we're going to look at kind of, I don't know if this was a gaffe on his part or not, but he does something really interesting. He does he engages in a little bit of wordplay, and all along the way we're going to note that he is reading himself into these biblical texts, and even though maybe some of the things that he's saying are true, he arrives at the true bits quite by accident, and this is a case of that in the sermon. But if you really want to have a blessed Christmas season, might I give you some unspiritual sounding advice? Lower your expectations, right? Set your expectations low. And you're like, but no, the Bible said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So in that sense, we expect blessings to come into our life. How many are expecting God to bless you before the year is over in a brand new, beautiful way? Well, don't be shy about it. You're not going to get it like that. Little timid Christian. How many are expecting God to bless you? Yeah, I am. Of course I am. I'm expecting for him to show up and provide for me. I'm expecting for him to see me through with his peace. I'm expecting for him to create moments that I'll remember. I'm expecting him to visit in my life, and I need to stop screaming because this isn't the best part of my sermon. But God promised, number one, he will reach you. Notice that the angels came to the shepherds. And the reason I mentioned St. Garth Brooks is because… Look at this verse. You've never seen this before in the Christmas story. It said, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. You missed it. While we're so busy looking for God to come from up here, from a high experience. While we're so busy waiting for God to come up here, the angel of the Lord came upon them, the Bible says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. So if you're looking for God in your life right now, 
looking for provision and protection in your life right now, I got a piece of advice. Look low. Okay. You're going to have to translate all that for me. <laughs> okay. So we'll start by noticing that he basically created the expectation and encouraged the people in his audience, I don't know if I should call it a congregation, to, you know, to clap and applaud if they were expecting great expectations from God between now and like Christmas and the end of the year. And and the list of things that he was expecting God to give him, you know, blessings and things like that were noticeably material, were things of the world, not not the forgiveness of our sins. And then he talks about the importance of rather than looking for high expectations, we need to have set our expectations low. And then he quotes from Luke chapter 2, verse 9 from the King James, and lo, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Well, if you look in the King James, the word lo is spelled L-O, and in the uh, Textus Receptus, which is what the uh, King James is based upon, there is a variant reading there in the Greek, and the variant reading is the Greek word idu, which means behold. But he took the word lo, which means behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and <laughs> he turned it into the word lo, L-O-W, and kind of went with it. And, you know, I just have to sit there and go, did you do this on purpose? Were you intentionally trying to make it look like a gaffe? Because the word low in the King James doesn't mean low, like low down to the ground. It means behold, like behold, all of a sudden an angel appeared and uh, and he completely twisted this text in this way. And so if this is any indicator of his exegetical skills, it, it doesn't look good for him because he's missing some important bits of how to rightly handle the Word of God. Surely he knows better. Surely he knows that low doesn't mean L-O-W. I mean, this is just a guy toying around with the Word of God. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Putting the best construction on it, that's what I'm hoping. But you'll note to the people in his audience who are, are not familiar with the, the text and not familiar with the variant readings and also how it gets translated, behold, they might legitimately think that low here means low, like L-O-W, and there was no indicator in a sermon that he was engaging in wordplay or saying this tongue-in-cheek, which means that by not giving that information, that somebody taking notes on his sermon, not knowing any better, would have believed that that's what that text was pointing to when in fact it isn't. What's up next then? All right, so now we're going to get into uh, what I call just straight up narcissism. This is a narcissistic reading of yourself into the biblical text. In this particular case, it's the nativity of Christ, and he's going to be talking about the significance of why Jesus came as a baby, and let's see what we can make of this. The smallness of the body that God chose to inhabit says something about the way he works in our lives. If God being God could be born of a virgin, right? Then he could have skipped to the highest version of humanity to come to earth. That would have been more efficient. God chooses the least efficient way possible to save the world. And the only way I can explain this to you is to tell you 
that God does not always work in the way that makes the least mess or takes the least time. He works in the way that brings him the most glory. Y'all better help me preach. You better help me preach. This is the Christmas sermon. He looks for a shepherd. They're messy. They're in the fields when they go to see the baby. They didn't even get to wash their hands. They were in the middle of their mess, and God shows up. You are in the middle of a mess, and God will show up. But how will he show up? Small? Small. You will find a babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Big enough to save the world, small enough to fit in a cradle. This is the juxtaposition of Jesus. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 10, the prophet says, Despise not the day of small beginnings. And this Christmas, you have to understand that some of the things that God gives you in your life are under wraps right now. They're big, but they're in a little package. The fact that Jesus came as a baby lets us know that there is a development process to everything that God does in your life. So you pray for something and get frustrated because what God gave you doesn't match what you asked for. The fact that he came as a baby lets me know that there is a part of God that I must grow into. I feel so anointed to preach this to somebody who has been frustrated. You have been frustrated because you have been comparing your starting place to somebody else's finished product. Okay, so what did he do there? So we're going to ignore the, the text at this point. And in the uh, Nativity account in Luke chapter 2, right after the part where the angel appeared to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone around them, there was an announcement from the angel regarding what had just taken place in Bethlehem. And he said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so the announcement of the, the angel is that God has sent to us a Savior, which is something that we need. You know, For those who are unaware of, of how that works or what the Bible's getting at here, what we are being saved from is nothing less than the wrath of God itself. Each and every one of us have earned from God the just penalty for our sin, which is eternal separation from God in the fires of hell. And so rather than giving us what we deserve, God in his great love for us has sent for us a Savior. And you'll note the, the exuberance and the joy of the angels who are glorifying God, and this was their this is God's glory, that he would send us a Savior, a descendant of David, who would free us from our sins and from Satan's tyranny. And this is the good news of Christmas. But he's completely changed it, and so what he's done is, is he's gone into a detail within the, the narrative that we all would understand kind of intuitively, and that is that when babies show up, they show up undeveloped. They, they are tiny persons in a small package, and they poop their diapers, and they need to be burped, and they need to be fed, and they need to be clothed, and things like this. And so what he's done then is allegorize the fact that Christ has come to us in a small way at this point 
to somehow then springboard into and say, well, the actual Christmas message is that God's going to send something else. He's going to send something your way that you might despise at first, which is a small thing, but it's going to grow and develop and it'll be the answer to your prayers. But rather than Christ being the answer to our prayers, he's pointing the folks at Elevation to this other nebulous thing that it might be, you know, maybe an answer to my prayer, and maybe I'm praying for a new job, or maybe I'm praying that the Lord would give me the funds to repair my house or something like this. And so I'm supposed to look then for the small thing that God has given me in the present that after it develops will then become the big thing that will be the answer to my prayers, which is, again, weird because how many prayers get answered that way, I would note, probably not a a huge percentage of them, and he's making that one of the main points of his Christmas message when, in fact, it has absolutely nothing to do with what the text says and what the real announcement is and the real gift that God has given us in Christ. Pastor Chris Roseborough is our guest. When we come back, it sounds like Jesus' birth is just a big object lesson. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 18th through Saturday, January 20th, for the 2024 Why for Life Free Conference. Registration is open through December 15th. Learn more at why4life.org. Great events, speakers, and social time. The 2024 Why for Life Free Conference, January 18th through the 20th in Washington, D.C., y4life.org. Are you planning your vacation in the Orlando area? Are you thinking about retiring in Central Florida? Are you looking for a faithful Lutheran church near the theme parks? Then Zion Lutheran Church and School is the place for you. We're in Winter Garden, Florida, about 20 minutes from all the attractions. At Zion Lutheran Church and School, we believe, teach, and confess God's truth for you. Find out more on our website, zionwg.org. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. A voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism. You're listening to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Ben Mays of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here's what Martin Luther says about the pastoral office. My pastor is practicing the virtue that increases God's kingdom, 
fills heaven with saints, plunders hell, robs the devil, wards off death, represses sin, preserves peace and unity, and plants all kinds of virtue in the people. In a word, he is making a new world. He builds not a poor temporary house, but an eternal and beautiful paradise in which God himself is glad to dwell. We are calling good men to step up. Come to Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues Etc. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about Stephen Furtick's sermon on the Christmas narrative titled, The Pajamas Are a Prophecy. Chris, before the break, you were describing how he basically turns the uh, birth of Jesus into an analogy. It sounds to me like it's just an object lesson to teach us how God is going to do something even better for us. Yeah, it's a paradigm. It's a normal pattern with God. God sent us a small Jesus who grew and and became the answer to our prayers. And so God's going to send you a small solution now, but it'll grow. And and, and so, yeah, it, it turns Jesus into just kind of a paradigm or an example or whatever God did at this time at the in, in the Christmas nativity, you should expect that same pattern to show up in your life somehow, some way, in some weird kind of thing. But you'll note that he's not big on the specifics, but the connection then is is that he's read us into this text and legitimately read Jesus out of it. And what the uh, and what the you know the shepherds heard and the great announcement that they were able to make when they showed up to see the baby. How does Fertig proceed? So if you remember, as part of the nativity story, uh, the Virgin Mary conceived and she became pregnant. Well, Stephen Furtick is going to talk about how he also was pregnant. I got a question I always want to ask you. Elevation Church, right? Did y'all used to meet in a basement? And I had to think about it because I barely remember that basement. I said, yeah, we actually did for a few weeks. That's where we started at the Matthews Community Center basement. He said, how long did you meet there? I said, not long, but it was the longest six weeks of my life. I used to go in the bathroom in the basement of the Matthews Community Center, and I would stand over the toilet because every week I felt like I would throw up because I was pregnant. You ever had morning sickness for something God was doing in your life? No offense, I know it's just a metaphor, but I felt like that. I felt like I was carrying something big. Maybe that's why I wanted to preach about Mary, because maybe I was standing over the toilet feeling like I was carrying something, but I'm scared of something, but I'm carrying something, but I'm scared of something, and in that juxtaposition, are you there right now? You know God has given you a word. You know God has called you to do something. You know God has made you a promise. You know he reached out and saved you. You know he's given you a testimony. You know he brought you out of a miry pit. You know he set your feet on the rock. 
But in that basement behind the closed door of a bathroom stall, I was privately petrified. Yeah. And I didn't think it'd be good if I threw up in front of my team. I didn't think that would be a good look for leadership. And yet, somehow, from that basement now, I'm preaching about a barn in Bethlehem and a basement in Matthews. But I'm really preaching about the low place in your life today. Whatever it is, the small beginning in your life today. Because God said, not only will I reach you, I will wrap you. So at least he admitted it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not really preaching about Jesus. I'm preaching about you. Yeah, he said that straight up. And at least he was honest because then you are able to see what's really going on here. And he's not preaching Christ. He's not preaching Christ and him crucified for our sins. He's not preaching the fact that God humbled himself. God the Son humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, humbled himself and was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered for your sins and mine on the cross. And so that babe that's born in Bethlehem, eventually, I, I, I love that Advent hymn, What Child Is This?, where it, you know, in the stanza it says that that same baby that was put into the manger, that nails and spear would pierce him through the, the cross he bore for me, for you, you know, talking about the babe of Bethlehem. Instead, he just takes that babe, the savior of the world in the manger, and removes him from the manger and puts you in there. And move over, Mary. Here's now pregnant Stephen Furtick. You know, you may have been pregnant with the Messiah, but he was pregnant with Elevation Church. And so to take the account of the Holy Family and of, of Mary and the one who bore our Savior and just so ingloriously shove them aside and the actual reason why they are in the scriptures and puts you in the center, puts you in the manger. I can't think of a more satanic thing to do. This is so much like the devil, it's not even funny. The people who are listening to this obviously are eating it up. What is the appeal of this particular kind of preaching before we hear one last time from Furtick? So the, the grand appeal, Scripture makes it clear that in the last days that people would not endure sound doctrine but they would gather to themselves teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. As much as we want to fault Furtick, and we should, we must fault the folks at Elevation Church because they're the ones that make this man as influential as he is, because the vast majority of people who call themselves Christians will not tolerate sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear God's law convict them of their sins. They are not interested in hearing about repentance and the denying yourself and taking up your cross. What they're legitimately looking for is a deity that will make their lives better, and as a result of it, they're not interested in the, in the Jesus of Scripture. They want the Jesus that Furtick is preaching, which doesn't really have a central place. He's just an example, and you then become the center of your own story. And so this feeds their narcissism, and that's the reason why Furtick is as popular as he is, because this is the disease of our day. People 
are more and more and more like the devil as the preaching of the gospel and repentance for the forgiveness of sins gets shoved to the side and those who preach it marginalized and removed from the pulpit. I'm just trying to do the math in my head and say one of these people comes home for their Christmas dinner with their family and I go to Elevation Church. Oh, what what did you hear on Christmas Day? Oh, I heard about how I can be pregnant with a small thing that God's going to do in my life. And I can just imagine stunned parents or siblings sitting across the table saying, you mean you didn't hear the message of Christ's birth for you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's stunning. Yeah, although they would say, oh, no, we heard the message of Christ's birth. I mean, he, he read the text. We heard the message. But he told us what the true interpretation is. The true interpretation is that that's about me and the thing that God wants to do in my life. And that's the tragedy of it. Everyone leaving there is going to think that they've heard the story of Christ, when in fact they haven't heard it at all. It's This Week in Pop Christianity with Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. We're evaluating Stephen Furtick's sermon, The Pajamas are a Prophecy. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to issues, etc. If you're a fan of This Week in Pop Christianity with Chris Rosebro, please make a year-end gift to support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. For a year-end contribution of $250 or more, We'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 Christmas and Epiphany hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can donate by giving us a call, 618-223-8385, or at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. When we return, we'll hear how Stephen Furtick replaces Jesus in the manger. I want to talk about me. Me, me, me. I want to talk about me. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred Music for the Advent Season, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Husband, wife, daughter, son, grandchildren, godchildren, pastor, the kids at church, Basically, every one of your Christian loved ones is catered for at Ad Crucem. We are the place to go for all your Christmas purchases. Stock up on our amazing Christmas cards, Christmons, Christmas ornaments, unique Christian jewellery, springly cookie moulds, gifts, and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
Our children are always a blessing to us, but not only are we blessed by them, but we have opportunities to bless them as well. Pastor Christopher Nuttleman, in the December issue of The Lutheran Witness, takes up the topic of blessing your children, how to bless them in your home with the Word of God and prayer. To learn more, pick up your copy of the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe or visit witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back. This is Issues Etc. on this Wednesday, December the 20th. It's this week in Pop Christianity. We are reviewing Stephen Furtick's sermon on Pajamas Are a Prophecy. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. So, Chris, what's next from Furtick? Well, I already noted that Furtick has removed Christ from the manger and put us in it. Watch what he does next with this manger uh, metaphor of his. Before we get into all that chaos, let's take a moment and consider the Christ, a babe born in a manger, laid in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for him in the end. He was rejected. The Savior came, and he was rejected. He was rejected because they had no room. And so now I wonder, am I talking about Jesus or am I talking about you? Because maybe you've been rejected not by a person, but maybe your dream has been rejected or denied or delayed or deferred this year. And in that place of rejection where you could not find room for yourself, could not feel at home in your emotions, could not see a solution through your Red Sea, could not see a way through your storm, could not find peace in your night, could not figure out your next step to take, in that place of rejection, watch this, you will find a babe in a manger. It wasn't Mary's plan to place him in a manger. It was not her preference to place him in a manger. Sometimes we end up in places we didn't plan to be. I didn't plan for my season to get ended early. I didn't plan for my job to go overseas or replaced by a computer. I didn't plan for my kid to come home and say, I need some money, I'm on drugs. I didn't plan for any of this. But just because you did not expect it doesn't mean God hasn't covered it. To you whom this word is for, it is a specific word. You have been rejected by people, could not find anyone to help you, didn't get it from where you wanted to get it from. It didn't come through when you needed it to come through. Jesus was laid in a manger, but watch the Bible. Put it back up. It says he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. The manger is a cold place. The manger is a strange place. But these swaddling clothes, see, these strips of linen that were wrapped around him were a symbol of his mother's care. How many would say, I was rejected, but God wrapped me. I was disappointed, but he wrapped me. I was lost and lonely, but he wrapped me. I was turned away, but he wrapped me. I was done wrong, but he wrapped me. All right, Chris, uh, bring it home for us, if you would. So he's completely removed Christ from the manger, put you in there, and you're the one now wrapped up in swaddling cloths. And so you'll note the transition was breathtaking to behold. 
because there was no room for them in the inn. He made a big point about the fact that Christ was rejected, but his mother wrapped him in swaddling cloths. And in the same way, your dream that God has given you may have been rejected by people. You might be in a difficult circumstance and experiencing that same kind of rejection, but don't worry, God has wrapped you in swaddling cloths and laid you in a manger, and you you just sit here and your head spins because this is no way to teach the story of Christmas and what Christ has done for us. This is to miss the whole point altogether and to miss exactly the great gift that we have that God has given us in Christ. He was the one who was rejected, even to the point of death on the cross, so that we can be accepted by God, so that we can be forgiven and pardoned of our iniquity and our sin and wouldn't have to hear from him, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a biblical way to to talk about what Christ came to do. Stephen Furtick, on the other hand, he's filling these people's heads with a narcissistic reading of this text that ultimately just gets rid of Jesus and puts them in the center. I mean, one has to wonder, does Stephen Furtick's nativity scene at home have a depiction of him sitting in the manger, beard and all? I mean, one has to wonder based upon what we just heard. What alarms me further about this is, as we said before the break, Stephen Furtick is probably among the top three most influential preachers in the United States today, perhaps among the top two. He is the, sad to say, kind of the Billy Graham of the 21st century so far, having emerged beyond other contenders like Rick Warren and others. And so much of pop evangelicalism is monkey see, monkey do. If elevation is this success story, then every aspiring preacher in the future is going to try and do or outdo what Stephen Furtig is doing there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, because this sermon came out early in the uh, Christmas season, you'll note that evangelicals don't have any concept of Advent at all. That It is very realistic to think that there are going to be tens of thousands of pastors across the world and within our own country who are going to look to this sermon and go, that's what I'm going to preach this coming Sunday for my Christmas message and come up with some kind of variation or theme off of it and copy it. And so we can lament the fact that the folks at Elevation Church did not hear the gospel. They did not hear the uh, Christmas nativity story taught correctly with its focus on Christ and what he's come to do to save us. But the greater tragedy is the repercussions that this is going to have this coming Sunday as tens of thousands of men who hang on every word that Furtick says are going to craft their sermons with a similar message. And so we're talking tens of thousands of congregations and millions of people this Christmas will not hear the good news of Christ and what he's done in coming to earth and being born to save us from our sin. That's the tragedy of of all of this because the compounding impact that this is going to have. How much of Stephen Furtick's popularity is just a cult of personality? That's a good question. I would note that Stephen Furtick, he's a gifted communicator, but he doesn't come by it naturally. I remember Furtick when he was first coming on the scene, and uh, even back then, his his rise can only be described as meteoric. But one of the things that was very clear early on in Furtick's ministry 
is that he heavily relied upon mimicking other preachers. And the preacher that he has modeled his personal delivery style on and has for decades now been working to perfect and make it like it is T.D. Jakes, the oneness Pentecostal of the Potter's House in Dallas. And so he's a fellow that I don't really think he's that likable, but what he's tried to do is really kind of make himself into a preacher's force of nature by emulating the best of the best, you know, as far as their delivery and their theatrics. And he's he's achieved that very well, and as a result of it, you can say that it's a cult of personality, but I think it's a little more nuanced than that because he has really tapped into one of the main diseases that affects Christians within America, and that is, is the belief that the value of a sermon is based upon its entertainment value. It's very much like music. In music, we value good music that is able to evoke within us particular emotions, and entertainment does that as well. A good movie is going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to take you on an emotional roller coaster. And Stephen Furtick understands that very well. And his sermons, if you were to kind of look at how it begins, it kind of starts off small and then begins to get an early build, and then he brings it back a little bit, and then he builds it again, and then pulls back just a little bit more, and then pushes forcefully through this last crescendo. And so as a result of it, he taps into the inherent assumptions of the American culture as it relates to success and entertainment and the cash value of a sermon basically being on how it makes you feel. And as a result of it, that's part of the reason why he's successful. So it's a little bit more than just the cult of personality. I think it has a lot more to do with how he intuitively knows what the American mind wants and desires, and he brings it to them in spades. Why is the biblical story of Christ's birth far superior to Stephen Furtick's odd and narcissistic interpretation. The reason why is because when one soberly looks at their life in light of God's Ten Commandments, we recognize that we have sinned grievously against God and against each other. And the brokenness in our life, the horrible circumstances, the disease, the suffering and death that we all experience in this life, where when we started off as children and teenagers, we were told that we were going to go change the world. And no sooner did we graduate that we started falling on our face and falling on our face hard. And so for somebody like me in the, in the older generation, I can tell you that what Stephen Furtick is preaching is a pipe dream. And we have to come to recognize that the reason why we're experiencing all of the horrible things that we're experiencing is because of our participation in sin. And then when we look at this, we recognize that we are unable to save ourselves from this condition. We are unable to extricate ourselves from the suffering that we experience and the world that is broken. And collectively, everything is a mess, including myself and you. And so when the good news of God having mercy on us, keeping the promise that he gave to Abraham, that his seed would come and that Christ then arrives on the scene and God gives to us a savior, Jesus is the only one who isn't impacted by our sin the way we are. And he's without spot or wrinkle. He's the truly the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he comes and he conquers 
the devil, conquers the world, conquers sin altogether, and rises victorious from the grave. And so the good news of Christmas is the beginning of Christ's mission to come and extricate us and deliver us from the dominion of darkness. And so it is a great message of hope, of salvation, of forgiveness and mercy and God's great love. And when you make it about yourself, you lose all of that. And instead, you are given a pipe dream. Uh, You're given junk food that is literally not capable of nourishing your soul. If anything, it's going to cause your sin in you to grow like fat or like cancer rather than bring you to true repentance and, and the peace that comes with God only through Christ. All of that is lost when you lose the true meaning of the story of Christ's birth. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Gonsfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel, Fighting for the Faith. You'll find a link to Fighting for the Faith at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Chris, thanks. Thank you, Todd. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Pastor Brian Barlow about his journey out of homosexuality. We'll have Dr. John Warwick Montgomery respond to the argument that biblical inerrancy isn't necessary for salvation And we'll get a review of the movie Godzilla Minus One from Pastor Ted Geese. I'm Todd Wilkin. Attend a midweek Advent service tonight. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.